of that, which is, which is amazing. That's great. And so we're going to be talking about what it looks like to be people of compassion because for the last 2,000 years since the resurrection of Jesus, people have been using their faith, working out their faith in action in ways that are tangible to show what it looks like to be living a resurrected life. And it's impacted people throughout centuries. The compassion that the church has had has been part of why the gospel has spread throughout the globe. And so we're going to be highlighting some different ways uh, we can be a part of that here locally, that we can be a part of that internationally. And so we've been showing these video vignettes of these people. You may not know uh, who they are. Uh, they say, told you their name, right? But you may not know that they're all people here from Velocity. And I know so many of you have been involved in so many different ways in showing compassion. And some of it, uh, you know, is just a matter of awareness. It's like, oh man, these opportunities are out there. They exist. There are people here that are doing those things. Like, how can I get involved in doing those, those things? And so we're going to be talking about compassion from a broader perspective. But I, I do want to let you know about a few more specific things about Compassion International. And that'll kind of get, uh, get us into our text. Compassion has been around for about 60 years, and one of they, what they do is they look for some of the poorest, poorest areas around the globe, and they go in, they partner with local churches, and they've actually started to plant new churches where churches don't exist, and they park, partner with the local church to then create a compassion center to help kids, poor kids. Uh, there, through their research, there are about 600 million children throughout the world who are living in, in extreme poverty. And by extreme poverty, we're measuring that by living on less than $2 a day. Uh, Every day, 18,000 children die from these poverty-related issues. Simple things like hunger, lack of clean water, no basic medical care or treatment. And and quite frankly, when I read those things, and and I know those things exist around the world, 600 million, that number is just completely paralyzing. It's overwhelming. It's like, how can you possibly make a difference in something like that? Can we make a dent? It's hard to even picture that. The population of the United States itself is just under 330 million people. So how could we possibly do anything about this? Like many injustices that are widespread, it can be difficult to see a way forward that makes a difference. But the only way that it starts is when we start doing something. And that's kind of what Compassion International is doing. They're looking to release children from poverty one child at a time. And so they set up these child sponsorships that Guy mentioned. It's $38 a month that you can support those kids with clean water, with food, with education, with medical treatment, with so many different things that we take for granted that they just don't have. And so, uh, and they work all that through the local church and they have 1.9 million children sponsored. And so we have some packets out in the lobby. I'm going to tell you a little bit more later on in the service what to do with those things. But we just want to make you aware that this opportunity exists, that this is something that you can do in your life, and we'll explain how to do that. Um, But first, let's talk about why compassion matters. Have you heard the parable of the uh, starfish? Anybody know that one? All right, maybe if I start telling it, you, you know what I'm talking about. So there's this older gentleman who's walking down the beach, and along the beach, there are just hundreds and hundreds for miles of starfish that have been washed up from high tide. And there's this little boy, and he's throwing the starfish back into the water. And the old man goes up to the little boy, and he says, hey, what are you doing? And the boy said, well, low tide's coming, and all these starfish are going to die, so I'm tossing them in. And the man says, have you looked around yet? I mean, there's no way that you're going to make a dent in how many starfish that are here. And the little boy picks one up, and he throws one into the water, and he says, yeah, but it'll make a difference to that one. 
And so I, maybe you've heard that one, maybe you just didn't, didn't remember it. Um, I, I think it's a powerful, uh, powerful modern parable, but I think the original actually is a little bit more poignant and draws focus, uh, draws a bit of a sharper focus. It comes from the author Lauren Isley, and it comes from a, uh, a small short story that he wrote called The Star Thrower. And this is, this is, this is the original. In a pool of sand and silt, a starfish had thrust its arms up stiffly and was holding its body away from the stifling mud. It's still alive, I ventured. Yes, he said, and with a quick yet gentle movement, he picked up the star and spun it over my head and far out to the sea. There are not many who come this far, I said, groping in a sudden embarrassment for words. Do you collect? Only like this, he said softly, gesturing amidst the wreckage of the shore, and only for the living. He stooped again, oblivious of my curiosity, and skipped another star neatly across the water. The stars, he said, throw well. One can help them. I do not collect, I said uncomfortably, the wind beating at my garments, neither the living nor the dead. I gave it up a long time ago. Death is the only successful collector. The reason I like the original a little bit better, like I said, I think it draws a bit of a sharper focus on what the real issues are when it comes to us showing compassion in our lives. First of all, we're distracted by a lot of other things, us living our own lives and going about kind of our normal day-to-day and the things that we need to do in order to continue our status quo in our life. And so sometimes just knowing that there is a difference to be made is something that's an obstacle for us. But the other thing is a lack of hope. And maybe it's fear and maybe it's cynicism, but they're the things that cause us to look at issues that are happening around us and think, man, there's really not much that can be done. It's really a problem for those people or somebody else to deal with, and it's not something that necessarily impacts me personally. And it's easy to get directed by what we feel kind of is what is within our power to accomplish. And because of despair, it's easy to kind of get caught up in losing sight of the eternal significance of compassionate action. But the need is great. And God has, has modeled for us and he's called us to show compassion in very real, very actionable, very tangible ways in our life. And even though things seem overwhelming, God is bigger and he gives us a role to play. An integral piece of the character and nature of God is compassion. We can see that through the way that he sends Jesus to us to not regard his equality with God something to be grasped, but humbled himself and became a man, a human being that has to go through and feel what we do. He's directed by compassion throughout his ministry. Let me give you some examples. In Matthew chapter 9, in verse 36, as, as Jesus is going around through all the towns and villages teaching, he's proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. He's also healing every disease and sickness. When he sees the crowds, he has compassion on them because he noticed they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Again, in Matthew chapter 15, verse 32, Jesus calls his disciples to him, and as part of the feeding of the 4,000, you may have heard of the feeding of the 5,000, there's also a feeding of the 4,000. Jesus calls his disciples to him, and he says, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry, or they may collapse them on the way. And then again in Matthew chapter 20, these are just a few examples of many for Jesus. Jesus encounters two blind people, and he has compassion on them and touches their eyes. And immediately they receive their sight and follow him. Now compassion for us, you know, the, the way that we think about compassion, how it affects our lives, may be a little bit differently than what uh, Matthew is communicating to us when he talks about compassion and Jesus having it. 
in, uh, at least at this stage in, in the world, for, for Jesus and his followers, having uh, compassion, something that impacts you and changes your life and calls you to action, is a deep down gut feeling reaction. And so the way that we talk about feelings, a lot of times we talk about matters of the heart. Well, in the ancient world, they talked about matters of the gut because that's when you really know something is bothering you. You know what that's like. You get punched in the gut metaphorically speaking, with something that happens or something is gut-wrenching for you in your life. And that's a very powerful feeling that we have. And compassion is that deep down gut feeling of caring enough to take action. It's compassion that caused God to look down on our state of living in a world full of sin that caused him to come and be a man so that he could show us the way back to his love. And he models for us what it looks like to be people of compassion. Right before Jesus' most famous teaching, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5 through 7, Jesus is doing something very specifically. We know all these crowds had gathered. They're on this mountainside. Jesus is teaching, and he's saying all of these amazing teachings that people love to hear. But before all that, the reason that these crowds gather is very specific in what Jesus is doing. Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. And it was then that Jesus had this large crowd of people that he was able to teach the Sermon on the Mount. There's certainly uh, just a small difference, I would say, between us and Jesus, and and that we're not going to be able to go around and instantaneously perform miraculous healings to gather people around to follow us, um, to gather a crowd. But this willingness of Jesus to go out of his way to care for people's physical needs absolutely is what gave him and gave the people the awareness of what Jesus had to say. Now, the message of the kingdom of God would have been no less true if Jesus hadn't been going out of his way to show compassion to people in this way. However, it would have been devoid of much of its power because God's design for the kingdom is to impact the here and now. Compassion is an integral piece of why the gospel is good news. Jesus got plenty of flack for this, There were people that he shouldn't spend his time with. There were sinners that he shouldn't help. There were untouchables that he wasn't supposed to draw near to. That's because people didn't realize the status quo wasn't supposed to remain the status quo. And feeling about and observing someone's predicament is meant to lead to action, and it helps that person see and experience God. It's part of the gospel. In James chapter 2, verse 14, Jesus' brother writes this. He says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied, accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. It's meant to change how we act and how we, how do we, how we interact with this world, this Jesus, this resurrection, this new life, this faith that we have that God changes everything. Our mission as a church is helping people find Jesus and love God. 
Because we know and we see how Jesus has modeled that things start with us going out of our way to be in relationship with people, helping them with their physical needs, with their emotional needs, whatever they may be, so that they can be ready to hear the good news about God. And so many different ways that people need help locally, domestically, internationally, the number of options of loan, alone, trying to figure out what deserves our attention the most. I mean, that can be, that can a lot of times maybe cause us not to do anything or be kind of overwhelmed. Like what's the, what's the most important thing we should do? There's so many different pursuits that are vying for our attention. So many things that seem like world changing things, like which one should we pick to be involved, with, uh, be involved in? Yet I believe God has equipped us with very specific abilities and gifts as individuals and then collectively as a congregation to be able to meet some of those needs with the passions that we have. Combined with us being willing to help and take action, we can take part in the kingdom difference compassion is meant to make. And so I simply, I, I'm, I'm just kind of curious for you to think about this rhetorically in, in your own heart, in your own mind, like what is it that is gut-wrenching for you? when it comes to seeing people who are in need, people who need help. I, I think God uses that in ways to match our gifts and our abilities and our passions in ways that we can help others. The things that kind of turn our stomach a little bit and, and ca cause us to stop and think, man, there, somebody should do something about that. Well, I think the Holy Spirit is leading us to be those people who do something about it. There's so much fear and there's so much cynicism that is tied into simply helping people who need it. And yet, I believe we're called as Christ followers to push through those things so that we can make a world-changing difference. While this is by no means anywhere an exhaustive list, especially not even just in Richmond, um, we're just going to highlight five different ways that you can make a difference right now and be a part in ways that people and organizations that we've already partnered with as, as a church that we just want to give you greater awareness in, uh, opportunities that you can get in and, and start making a difference and, and help people. And so that's part of what this Sunday is all about. So the first, first organization that I want to tell you about, uh, the first five, is, is one that's very near and dear to our hearts as a church, and it's Fresh Start for Single Mothers and Their Children. And I'm smiling because Sylvia's sitting right over there, uh, but she wouldn't want you to know that because she doesn't like that kind of stuff. And so I'm not going to make her stand up and wave her hand or anything. Hey, could you just wave your hand? but not stand up. And Sylvia's over there, and she would be amazing for you to, uh, to talk to. We, we partnered with Sylvia since before the church began, and, and so that's been an amazing relationship with her. And so Fresh Start for Single Moms and Their Children, um, and you saw uh, hopefully Sylvia's video. Have, have we showed your video yet? Not yet. Okay, it's coming up. All right, that's great. See, I've already seen them, so I can't remember like, whether or not we've already shown them. Um, but they provide a system of support for single moms. Oftentimes, these single moms and their kids are coming out of a very rough domestic situation, and so they stand in the gap there for them to let them know what services are available for them, help them move through some of the pain that they've experienced and suffering that they're going through in those moments, and that's been a beautiful partnership. And they're coming up uh, on, a, on a brand new semester starting in October, and there's information on the table out there for you to figure out, hey, how can I help uh, to, to support Fresh Start in this ministry? It's amazing. Uh, the second one is Reestablish Richmond. Um, <clears throat> we've, we've worked uh, a little bit with Reestablish Richmond, and I know uh, a couple of you are, are more involved with it um, person, on a personal level, but Reestablish Richmond works with refugees who find themselves in Richmond, Virginia, and help them get settled here. 
Um, very uh, often, uh, maybe categorically, refugees are here uh, because of situations that are horrific. And so they're coming uh, into a brand new place. They need people who are willing to surround them, help them in the transition of being in a different place, figuring out how to function, how to find a job, how to get a driver's license, um, all of those kinds of things. And so they're a part of that. And we've helped them out with some uh, major events that they've done. But there are more opportunities for us as individuals to kind of connect with them and find ways that we can help people in those situations. Then there's the Pregnancy Resource Center of Metro Richmond. The Pregnancy Resource Center is uh, basically in the middle of three abortion clinics uh, here in the Richmond area. And they've been around for 36 years um, and have served over 36,000 women and men who were unprepared for pregnancy and were trying to figure out what to do in the midst of that. And so they have provided a loving and caring place that provides free care and services for, uh, for people so that they can uh, figure out what, what they're going to do and what decision that they make. Um, they affirm life. And that's such an invaluable part of that process. So many people feel desperate and alone in that situation, and they are standing in the gap between uh, those who are deciding to carry uh, to term or to terminate their pregnancy. Then there's Virginia's Kids Belong. Um, Virginia Kids Belong, at least by that name, is, is relatively new, but it's a response to the foster care crisis that's in Virginia. You may not know that there is a foster care crisis, uh, but there is. There are people who, there are children who are going through the foster care system in Virginia that are aging out, that are never being adopted, uh, that don't have people that are caring for them, that don't have a home to be in. Um, there aren't enough foster families in our state to take them in. Um, roughly 50% of families who foster quit within a year because they don't get the support they need, so even foster families need support. And 60% of social workers leave the foster care system within the first year due to burnout. And so it's a need that we can show, uh, to show care and, and give compassion to those who need it. Um, caring for widows and orphans in their distress is, is what religion is for us as Christ followers. And so those are opportunities for us to be a part of. And of course, we mentioned Compassion International and children living in poverty and, and working with the local church in these places. So it's not just clean water and it's not just food and it's not just medical care and it's not just education, but it's also Jesus as well. Because that's the thing that's gonna sustain any of us through any situation that we find ourselves in life. And so all those things, I went through all those things. We've got uh, cards out there that have information on there. You can also go on velocitychurch.info. That's our online hub for all things Velocity. And you can click on Compassion Sunday and find out more information and links about all those things. Um, all of those needs are the result of scary and harmful situations. And yet we don't want those things to be the narrative that remains for those people that are going through those. And we want to go toward those needs, and we want to be willing to serve, which changes the lives of those who are helped. It changes our lives, those who are doing the helping, um, and changes the lives who are, of those who see us helping as well. I love this quote from Fred Rogers. Um, I'm pretty sure I've used this before, and I'll, I'll keep using it because of how meaningful that I, I think it is. When I was a boy and I would see scary things in the news, my mother would say to me, look for the helpers. You will always find people who are helping. And listen, there's going to be scary things in the news. I mean, that's not going to change. I, I want it to, but it's not. 
the way in which we respond to those things shouldn't be driven by fear. They shouldn't be driven by cynicism. They should be driven by compassion. And so I want to invite you just after the service to check out those, those things in the, in the lobby. The packets there for the compassion uh, that are on there have pictures of the, uh, the kids. That, those represent a real, a real child, uh, one of the 600 million who's poor, um, who can be helped. Um, we've been sent these particular packets because some of, some of them are immediate needs. They're from all over the globe, and you can, you can check those out. Um, if you are interested in sponsoring a kid this morning, take the packet out, and you can fill out the tearaway card that's on the back of that, and then leave that tearaway card in the bucket that's on the table, and we will send that in and get that started for you. Um, look at some of the other uh, packets and um, not packets, but flyers that are on the table. Maybe there's some of these other areas or something that have interested you. Or let us know that maybe there's another, another spot, another area in which you're interested in helping serve and leading others to serve here, here at a church. Our uh, family has been sponsoring Malove, who is a young girl in Haiti, um, for a while now. And it's been an amazing thing for us to be able to talk with our kids about what it means to care for other people that are not in a situation like they are and yet changes, changes their life for us to show compassion uh, to them and to her. Compassion calls us to action, and in turn, that action leads other people to Jesus. And that's how Jesus operated. He took time out of his schedule to do these things intentionally so that he could share the good news. It's part of the kingdom of God that God calls us into it's the way that that kingdom spreads throughout history. Uh, us showing compassion to others. And so it doesn't have to be you sponsoring a child. It doesn't have to be you being a part of one of these organizations that we mentioned this Sunday. I mean, there's so many different ways that you can be a part of it, but it does call us to action. It does call us to do uh, something. And so as a church, we just want to say, hey, let's be a part of that. Uh, let's be engaged and be involved in showing that compassion uh, to, to our community and to the world. Let's pray. God, um, there are a lot of opportunities, uh, and God, we thank you that you give us the resources, the ability to be able to make a difference in all of these areas. God, we're, we're richly blessed people. Um, God, we just ask that you um, guide us uh, maybe it's the gut-wrenching feeling that we have. Uh, maybe it's the circumstance that we're in, but you guide us into ways that we can show compassion tangibly to those who uh, are around us. God, we uh, thank you for the great compassion that you show us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Just like we do every week at Velocity, uh, we're going to take communion uh, together, and we're going to remember Jesus' great 